Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Hopevale Church's online worship experience. Hopevale is a church in the Great Lakes Bay region of Michigan, and we are all about inviting people to know and follow Jesus. I'm Sam Burke. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I want to say if this is your first time worshiping with us, or even if you've been with us for a long time, we just want to say a very special welcome to you and thank you so much for worshiping with us online here today. If it is your first time, then we don't want it to be your last time. And so could you do us a favor? Could you go to hopeville.org new and scroll down and find the online connect card? We would love you to fill that out so that we can get to know you better and so that we can send you some things to make our community feel a little more like home for you. And families, don't forget about our digital family resources. You can go to hopevale.org and go to our COVID-19 landing pages and all of our resources are right there. You can click on them and spend some time as a family growing together to become more like Jesus. Well, in a few minutes, we're gonna worship together and we're gonna learn together from God's word. But before we do that, I wanna pray for us and pray for our service here this morning. Let's pray together. God, we um, thank you for a time where we can gather even while we're scattered and we can worship you together, just like the rest of the Big C Church is doing all over the world. And God, we're, we're in a very strange and stressful time with this COVID-19 virus, but we know a few things. We know that um, this didn't catch you by surprise. It didn't catch you off guard. You're still in control and we still have the ability to worship you and learn from you even if we're not physically gathered together. And so God, we invite you into our spaces here today. We invite you into our homes. We invite you into our living rooms. We invite you into our, our cars if people are listening online. And God, we, um, we invite your Holy Spirit to work on our lives and, and to, to, to shape us and mold us and form us into the people that you want us to be, even in the midst of these crazy times. And so, God, would you do that work in our lives today? Would you do that work in our service here today? God, we're so excited about what you're going to do through us to bring your kingdom here on this world in a, in a new and a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello, people of faith and Hope Vale. I'm Billy. Glad you're with us today. We're going to kick off our time of worship acknowledging God and thanking him for all we have. And then we'll move into a time of just asking for his help because we are all in need, that's for sure. kind of follows the form of the Lord's Prayer. We should start every day off that way. It'd be kind of great. Let's worship together. Here we go. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now your joy awaits my praise. Give thanks for all you have done And I will sing of your mercy and your love Your love is unfailing Lord, I am grateful I was down, you brought me out Set my feet on higher ground So here I stand You are my God Your faithfulness, my solid rock Yeah, yeah, oh I give thanks for all you have done And I will sing of your mercy Yeah. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. 
God, you're all we want. You're all we need. You're really all we have at the end of the day. And so God, like that old hymn says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow and just a huge realization that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Lord, for these moments in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. So glad we could come to worship today, uh, kind of in the form of the Lord's Prayer. Like we said, acknowledging God, um, thanking Him for all we have, and then asking Him for stuff. It's a great way to do that. Well, uh, again, I'm Billy. Love that you're here uh, worshiping with us today, and I'd like to just... uh, uh, encourage you uh, with this next moment that's coming here in worship, and I'd like to uh, formally apologize for any uh, any harm or uh, damage this may cause. Yo, Billy P, aka Swizz Cheese, coming to you live from Saginaw, Michigan. Yeah, with Swizz Cheese Productions, bringing it like this. Let's take it back, old school. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and magic. What? No. We bring sacrifice of praise unto As the deer panteth forth, as the deer, it's too low. As the deer panteth no. This would work way better in Spanish. Para español, o prima número dos. I took two years of Spanish in high school. This should work. Así como... No, I'm in the wrong key. Así como chiervo. Chiervo? Siervo. Chiervo? Shine, Jesus, shine. Wrong key. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with... Oh, my goatee's kind of like all weird. Shine, Jesus. No. Hey Siri, what's one trillion to the tenth power? One trillion raised to the tenth power is one zero 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 zero. That's so out of tune. Come, now is the time to sing in tune and play a tune. Shining like the sun at trumpet sound. Unto Jesus, be your glory, the color and praise. I'm totally gonna name drop and say that I know the worship pastor at Saddleback, and he's a buddy of mine. And he loves that song. Worship His Majesty. Unto Jesus. We're just gonna go ahead and bless him. Turn to your hymnals, page 427. We're gonna sing all four verses. Flip flops and socks. Flip flops and socks. Flip flops and socks. I'm so embarrassed by that. Productions. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. I'm Dan Davis, Senior Pastor here at Hopefell, and I too want to thank you for logging on and joining us this week for worship. You know, week by week, I continue to be so amazed and so encouraged by the work of our worship and tech and media ministries and putting together such wonderful worship experiences. And you know what? Today is no exception. So even take a song like Here Again, and it's incredible how powerful lyrics like these can speak so deeply to us, especially with everything that we are going through these days. Look at this. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow will bring. Isn't that true? 
But I know here in the middle is the place, Lord, where you promise to be. And just like Pastor Billy said and prayed, I know beyond all doubt that our God wants to and he promises to meet you right there in the middle, in the middle of all your fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and insecurity and uncertainty, right? In these days, know that he is with you, know that he is for you, and know that our God walks with you. You are not alone. Well, today we're going to continue our journey with Jesus as we make our way through the Gospel of Mark in a series that we've entitled Encountering Hope. Encountering hope, because after all, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, came into our world, this desperate and hurting world of ours, to bring a hope that prevails and a hope that endures. It's a hope that Jesus reveals through his ministry and his miracles. It's a hope that he guarantees through his resurrection, and it is a hope that he offers to all who truly believe in him as their Savior and their Lord. And so that's really my prayer for all of you, that as we've seen with so many others in this series as we're reading through the Gospel of Mark back then, that you too today would encounter the hope of Jesus for yourself in new and fresh and powerful ways. And so with that in mind, we're going to pick up where we left off in Mark. And just like last week, I'm going to share with you two shorter messages today instead of the usual one longer message that I typically do. And I'm going to do that so we can not only engage with the original story from back in Jesus's day, but that we can also then think about what that means for us today and then to respond accordingly to Jesus. So before we dive in, just a quick review from last week, where we saw that hope has a mission. Hope has a mission. We saw Jesus begin to build a team with a bunch of ordinary guys, right? These common fishermen to help share in his mission of hope. It's a mission where as it's unfolding, we see Jesus miraculously exercise his ultimate authority to the utter amazement of many people including that supernatural showdown, right, that we see in the synagogue at Capernaum where Jesus defeats the demonic realm and delivers this possessed man, right? And then from there, Jesus continues to perform other healing and deliverance miracles in that same town until he senses, after time alone in prayer with his heavenly father, that he and his team need to move on to other nearby villages and towns. So what? So he can spread his mission of hope even further. And so here we are, 2,000 years later, and it is so humbling, and it is such an honor to know that Jesus is still inviting ordinary and unqualified people like you and me to join up in this same mission of hope, a mission that is still alive and well in the world today. See, this is what it means for us to be the church, where we celebrate this hope in worship, and then we spread this hope on mission right in our own communities, all throughout the Great Lakes Bay region and beyond into our world. Hope has a mission. And so that's where we left off last week. And as this mission continues, let's see where it takes us next. I want to invite you to join me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 1. Mark Chapter 2. Let's take a look. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So Capernaum or Capernaum, you can pronounce it either way. This was Jesus's home base at the beginning of his three-year earthly ministry. And as we saw last week, this is the same town where Jesus had taught in the synagogue on the Sabbath from the Hebrew scriptures, which with such great authority to the amazement of many people. And then later, all throughout that day, he performs many other miracles there. So, of course, because it happened there, verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers, people thronging because they heard Jesus was back in town, right? They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached 
the word to them, right? So spontaneously, once again, Jesus is teaching the truth of God's word with such authority and such authenticity, and it's drawing a crowd so much so that in this small one-room house, things get so crazy that others then start gathering outside the house just to hear a word or just to catch a glimpse. And so in these confining crowded spaces, right? Body to body, well before our era of social distancing, right? Verse three, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now remember, word is already out about Jesus. Not only that, but as we saw last week, when Jesus left Capernaum, even though everyone was looking for him, right? There's still this demand, but now he's back in town. And so here are these four friends And they're bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus. But there's a problem. Verse 4, since they could not get to him because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. Now, this whole digging through the roof destruction here isn't as extreme as it sounds. No, archaeologists have discovered that most homes in Capernaum back then were just one story tall, and they were built with wooden beams above that were covered by layers of reeds and grass and and mud. And, And actually, this would be reapplied every year. And so these desperate, these creative friends go to the side of the house, climb up the ladder there, they get to the roof, and then they lower their paralyzed friend down to Jesus. Now look at this, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Now this is what you call a plot twist. I mean, given what we know so far about Jesus, we're expecting him to perform another miracle, right? And to heal this paralyzed man. I mean, that certainly had to be what was going through this guy's mind as well as his four friends as well. But instead, Jesus says something entirely different. He looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, if disappointing these guys wasn't bad enough, Jesus also, in the same term, manages to offend some other people as well. Look at this, verse 6. Now, to some teachers of the law who are sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? This fellow, it's a very derogatory term, right? And what we see here is the first of many clashes that Jesus is going to have with the religious establishment back then. And he starts off with a doozy, right? He starts off by actually having the gall to say to this paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Why is that so big? Well, because as these teachers of God's Hebrew law rightly observed, who can forgive sins but God alone? No human being has that kind of authority, let alone some backwoods preacher from the hick town of Nazareth, right? That's what they were thinking. He is blaspheming. Because the very idea of it is so, so offensive to everything that they believed and worshiped when it came to the one true holy God, right? Words like that were like nails on a chalkboard to them. But before they can actually say anything about it, Jesus jumps in. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why Are you thinking these things? Jesus has them pegged, right? Now, he could be exercising his divine power to read their minds, but I think he just knows how rigid and judgmental and inflexible their mindset was and how offended they would be by his words. He knew what he was doing, but when he says this, they must have felt totally exposed. But then Jesus goes on and he raises the stakes even higher. Verse 9. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Which is easier? Now, how would you answer that question, right? Which is easier? 
Well, for me, at first glance, I think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? Because unlike a physical miracle that you can see with your actual eyes, there's tangible proof right in front of you. How can you really prove whether or not God has forgiven another person's sins? The fact is, though, Jesus wasn't really looking for an answer. Rather, he was wanting to make a point. He was wanting to make a point by connecting his miracles with his mission. His miracles, his mission connected together, this mission of hope for him to ultimately be our Messiah and to accomplish the impossible, right? By satisfying God's justice so he could offer us true forgiveness. The impossible. See, the religious leaders were right. Only God can forgive sins. And yet also, as we know now, only a fellow human being can pay the price for those sins. That's why Jesus, fully God and fully man, is so unique. (laughs) But the fun doesn't stop there. No, verse 10. After saying this, he, he looks at the man, at his friends, at the crowd, and especially these religious leaders. And he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The Son of Man has authority. This messianic term from the Hebrew scriptures that Jesus claimed for himself, he knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly what he was doing. And there is our word again, right? Authority. This, my friend, is no ordinary man. He says this, and look what happens, verse 12. He, the man, got up, took his mat, and walked out, look at this, in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Never. Paralyzed man literally stands up in full view of everyone and walks out of the room. Which is easier? Well, Jesus made this miracle happen, so maybe, just maybe, he's going to make the other one happen as well. Because Jesus, in his mission of hope, he wanted them and us to know that he alone has all authority, all authority to forgive our sins and to unite us with our God. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Never. Well, this is one of my favorite encounters of hope from the life of Jesus. And there is so much we could talk about from this story. Like this, like the incredible joy this paralyzed man must have felt in taking his very first steps. Imagine that. His very first steps in years or maybe even ever where the impossible for him became possible. Now talk about hope, right? Or how about his four friends and their loving persistence to do whatever it takes to bring him to Jesus? And did you notice that Jesus performs this miracle in response to their faith, not his? Their faith. No, there's no mention of this man's faith whatsoever. You know, he might have even probably given up hope years ago. But even if he did, this story reminds us that with Jesus, it's never too late. It's never too late. Or what about these religious leaders and the indignation, right? They must have felt towards Jesus for his blasphemous words. And then he tells them what they're thinking and he performs this verifiable miracle right before their eyes. Man, that must have rocked their world messed with their minds and shaken everything they thought they knew about God. And then you've got these onlookers who are absolutely blown away. They came for the teaching, but they left with amazement. Our word again, right? Amazement. They're praising God because they know that this is so much more than just some clever parlor trick or sleight of hand, right? No, they know that they have just witnessed the supernatural. We have never seen anything like this before. Because with Jesus, it was clear that he was demonstrating what he had preached earlier, that the kingdom of God was at hand. So many powerful lessons 
But in the end, here's what I want you to know about Jesus from this story. That hope heals us completely. Hope heals us completely. And hope, the hope of Jesus, it can heal you completely too. It can. And so after the break, I want to tell you why this hope of Jesus is so transformational in the healing work that it can do in our lives. But before we look at that, let's enter back into worship with a song from one of our past services that celebrates Jesus Christ, the King of Kings.
Hey, this is Pastor Dan again, and I want to get back to the statement that I left you with from our passage for today, right? Hope heals us completely. Hope heals us completely. Now, I realize that as I say that, you might be thinking, what does he mean when he says hope heals us completely? And is that really true? And can I really believe that for my own life? That hope can and will the hope of Jesus heal me completely? Well, I want to spend a few minutes talking about that because this is so much more than just a matter of speculation, right? No, these are questions that speak to the deepest places of our soul. Healing, health, renewal, restoration. You know, you walk through a story like this, and if you're a Christian or a person of faith or a seeker of God, it makes you wonder, could a miracle like that still happen today for me? And and if it could, what would I want Jesus to do for me to make me feel whole again? Or what would I want him to do for someone else that I deeply care about to make them whole again, just like we saw in this story? For some of you, it would be a physical miracle. The curing of a condition, the recovery back to full health, the restoration of something you've lost. And I know that some of you watching today, you've been hoping for, you've been praying for a miracle like this in your life. For others of you, this wholeness miracle you're looking for could be relational. You're single, lonely, wanting someone to share your life with. Or maybe it's about repairing a broken relationship with a spouse a significant other, a son, a daughter that you haven't spoken to in years, or maybe a former best friend from way back when. And you think to yourself, wow, if only this relationship could get healthy, this relationship could get up and walk again, then I know that my life would be so much better. Or maybe what you feel you're lacking is financial or vocational, that you don't have enough money, you don't own your own home, or if you do, you're about to lose the one you have. Or that you don't make the right pay, you don't have the right job, or you're out of work and don't have any job at all. And I could keep on going, right? My point is this. I think that all of us at one time or another in life that we can identify with this paralyzed man in this story. And maybe our physical condition wasn't as serious as his, but we still felt like we were missing out on something in our lives. And that if we could only have this thing, right, this thing that we think we need, then we would finally be made whole, fulfilled, and complete. It's a yearning of the soul that we all have. We really do. So can Jesus do that for us? And will Jesus do that for us, for you? Well, to be honest, I don't know the answer to that. I don't because I'm not Jesus, but here's what I do know about Jesus when it comes to his miracles and our missing pieces, right? That as I think about Jesus in this story and Jesus really in the rest of the Bible, it seems to me that Jesus performed his miracles then and now for at least four different reasons. Four different reasons. And not only that, but even though that he is not physically present with us now on the earth, I still think this living and resurrected Jesus performs miracles. He does. But he does so for these four same reasons, right? So let's talk about these reasons for the rest of our time together, okay? The miracles of Jesus then and now. First, the the miracles of Jesus express his compassion for people. His compassion for people. Jesus is full of compassion for his fellow human beings. He was and still is. He is moved by human needs and suffering. We see it in this story and we see it elsewhere throughout the Gospels. I mean, I don't want you to take away from this story thinking that Jesus just healed this paralyzed man because he had a beef with the religious establishment. He wanted to flex his muscles. No, I want you to see that when Jesus saw this man, who's deprived of this blessing that most of us take for granted, that he genuinely felt sympathy toward him. He really did. And in this case, Jesus did something about it. 
he healed him. Now, as I mentioned last week, Jesus didn't come, though, to fix every problem and meet every need. But that's not because he doesn't care. No, Jesus cares. And likewise, I don't ever want you to believe that Jesus is indifferent towards your needs because he's not. Now, it's easy to be tempted to think, well, if Jesus really cared for me, then he would heal my sickly body. He would mend my broken heart. He would pay my long overdue bills or whatever we think we're lacking, right? Now, he certainly can do those things. But if he chooses not to, like if he doesn't act how and when we want him to, it's not out of a lack of compassion, right? Now, Jesus must have something more in mind than we can imagine. And so if he is withholding something from you in your life, it's because he has something even bigger and better in store for you. He really does. That's the first reason both then and now, right? Jesus has compassion for people and he expresses that through his miracles. Well, here's the second. The miracles of Jesus also prove his divine power. They prove his divine power. Now, I plug this one straight out of the story, right? Let me read it again, verse 10, verse 11. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home to prove his divine power. You know, it's practically identical to what we saw happen last week in the synagogue, where this demonic, unclean spirit in this possessed man knew that this Jesus of Nazareth was the Holy One of God. So when Jesus defeated that demon and delivered that man, people started to wonder if Jesus really was more than just a really good teacher. See, the miracles that Jesus performed reinforced his message. In other words, Jesus didn't just talk the talk. After all, there were plenty of people back then who claimed to be the promised Messiah. But see, Jesus stood alone with his miracles because in them he also walked the walk. And because he did, in his miracles, the crowds couldn't help but pay attention to his message. Likewise today, Jesus still stands alone And I still believe he does perform miracles. And he does so to authenticate the good news of his message. And I think this especially happens in remote places around the world that are close to Christianity. But see, here's the other part of this story that I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to ever reduce Jesus to just a good moral teacher. Don't ever reduce Jesus to just a good moral teacher. See, that's what a lot of people today want to do with him. To say that, yes, Jesus was wise and that we can really learn a lot of good things from him, but they stop right there. And they ignore passages like these. Or they dismiss them as superstitious because they're too dangerous to handle. You know, I think that's the coward's way out. Because the crowd back then said, we've never seen anything like this before. And when you think about it, that's still true today. That if you read the Gospels, these historical accounts of the life of Jesus, his ministry and his miracles, you got to deal with it somehow. Because the miracles of Jesus, they prove his divine power. That he was and is who he said he is. Right? Now, when it comes to miracles, a lot of people want to stop here, right? After these first two that they believe Jesus to be compassionate, and they believe him to be powerful. Compassionate and powerful. But you know what? Then they want to use that for what they think they need the most. And so it goes something like this. Jesus, I know you care. And Jesus, I know you can. So do this thing for me in my life right now. Do this thing for me in my life right now. But then, when he doesn't, They give up and they go home. I mean, what good is this Christianity thing if Jesus won't meet my needs and answer my prayers? I'm sure you know people like that and maybe even you've been through a season like that in your life before or maybe that's where you are right now. What good is this faith thing if Jesus won't answer my prayers and meet my needs and do a miracle for me? Listen, if we stop there, 
we're missing out on why Jesus came to us and what he can really do for us, right? So that leads me then to this third reason for the miracles of Jesus. Pay attention. That the miracles of Jesus serve his greater purpose. They serve his greater purpose. Now, if you're with us last week, you'll remember that I made this statement, that Jesus came to be our Messiah, not our magician. Jesus came to be our Messiah, Messiah, our healer, our deliverer, our savior, and not our magician. So yes, Jesus does, ha- does have the power to perform miracles for us, but his mission of hope was and still is so much bigger than just doing miracles for miracles' sake, right? Or in this case, about something more than just healing a paralyzed man so he could walk again. No, as wonderful as that must have been, Jesus ultimately came and he died and he rose again to forgive this man's sins. Why? So that he could be healed completely. Because hope heals completely. To be healed completely and to restore this man back into a right relationship with his God forever. That's what hope does. And that's why Jesus saved his greatest miracle for the resurrection. Because his miracles served this greater purpose of his, this mission of hope. And the same is true for you and for me. It really is. You know, early on in the Gospel of Mark, there are numerous occasions when after Jesus heals someone, he immediately then tells them, don't mention this to anyone else. And it's really confusing at first, right? It really is. But then you eventually realize why Jesus did that. Because he didn't want people to just think about him as a miracle worker, right? That he came to do miracles for me on demand, right? just like Herod wanted. <laughs> no, Jesus's greatest purpose was to do far more than that. More than just to give us what we want. No, he came to accomplish what we all ultimately need. We need God. We need a relationship with him and we need to be forgiven of all the sin and selfishness that keeps us from our God. I mean, I know that this is really bold for me to say, but if Jesus only healed this paralyzed man but didn't forgive his sin, I think it only would have been a matter of time before this man realized that being able to walk again wasn't the be-all, end-all to his life. It wasn't the missing piece his heart was looking for. No, I think he still would have felt incomplete because he still would have been remained separated from his God. No, he needed forgiveness. And guess what? You know, the same is true for us. It really is. You and I, we need more than just the miracle we're waiting on. No, we need a savior. And only Jesus can be that savior for us. See, the miracle that you really need the most from Jesus, you know what? It's already happened. It has. Jesus rose from the grave so that you could be forgiven. That's the missing piece you've been looking for, whether you know it or not. And so if you have never prayed, if you've never asked for Jesus to be your Savior, go ahead and do that. Tell him that, Jesus, I want you, I need you to be my Savior. Forgive my sins and make me that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to have a forever relationship with your God. And then if you are a Christian, that if you do know Jesus personally as your Savior, then don't ever stray from that hope. Don't ever stray from that hope. No, everything else that you want and need in life or think you want and need has to be built upon this one foundation. It has to. And so if you have strayed, if you have craved, longed, run after something more than Jesus, I want to invite you to come back home. Come back home to Jesus and reclaim your primary identity as a child of God. That's who you are. And that's what you need the most. See, the miracles of Jesus, they served his greater purpose to forgive our sins, to restore us with God. And then finally, 
the miracles of Jesus then and now, they preview his forever kingdom. I love this. His miracles then and now, they preview his forever kingdom. See, on the timeline of human history, we live between the two comings of Jesus to this very earth. We live in an era known as the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. So in Mark chapter 1, after Jesus announces that the kingdom of God is now at hand, it means that the perfection of heaven has finally entered into the brokenness of this world to heal, to restore. That's why Jesus came. And that's what he set into motion at his first coming as our suffering Savior. But you know what? This miracle then that we saw with the healing of the paralyzed man, it is a glimpse. It's just a glimpse. It's just a preview of what life is always going to look like in his eventual kingdom. The one that Jesus is going to fully establish, finally and forever when he comes again as our conquering king. That's what we have to look forward to. And these miracles, they preview that time when everything in the world will be made right. Hope heals us completely. It really does. And Jesus has already begun to accomplish that healing by meeting our greatest need in forgiving our sins and restoring us back with our God. So let's never stop rejoicing in our life with Jesus, our capital L, life with Jesus. But guess what? The best is still yet to come. The best is yet to come because there will be a day when Jesus will heal every hurt, when Jesus will wipe away every tear. There will be a day, but we're not there yet. And so until Jesus comes again, let's keep the faith. Let's encourage each other and let's hold on with hope. Hold on to the hope that heals us completely. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have come and that you will come again. The first time as our suffering Savior, the next time as our conquering King. And thank you. Thank you that in that first coming, with a miracle like we see in Mark chapter 2 here, we know that you are doing a work that you are doing a work of establishing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. A healing work, a restoring work, a work that you started by forgiving our sins and reuniting us with our Heavenly Father. And thank you that all it takes is faith. All we have to do is believe that you are who you say you are, that you did what Scripture said you did and that we will trust and believe in the powerful work of you, our Savior, looking at us and saying, Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven, and how that makes us whole with our God. And Father, here we are. We live in this broken world. We long for your second coming, when you will make everything right again that there are people and some of us Lord, we're suffering we're hurting physically relationally financially vocationally mentally emotionally and we need a touch from you and we don't quite understand why you're not giving it to us right now like you did with this paralyzed man god let us hold on with hope let us trust and believe that you have something better in mind for us that we just can't see right now. But thank you that you give us these glimpses. You give us these previews of your forever kingdom, where you will reign forever, where death is defeated, where your enemies, where evil is utterly destroyed, where every hurt will be healed, where every tear will be wiped away and we will be yours with you forever. Thank you that there will 
be a day. So in the meantime, will you help us flood our heart with your love so that we can hold on with hope, the hope that heals completely. This we pray in the power of your victorious resurrection name, Jesus, King of kings. Try to hold on to this world with everything I have, but I feel the weight of what it brings and the hurt that tries to grab. The many trials that seem to never end, His word declares this truth, and we will enter in this rest with wonders anew. But I hold on to this hope. And the promise that he brings That there will be a place with no more suffering There will be a day with no more tears No more pain And no more fears There will be a day When the burdens of this place will be see Jesus face to face, but until that day, we'll hold on to you always. I know the journey seems so long. You're walking on your own But there has never been a step Where you've walked out all alone Troubled soul, don't lose your heart Cause joy and peace he brings And the beauty that's in store Always the hurt of life sting But I hold on to this hope And the promise that he brings there will be a place with no more suffering. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. But until that day, we'll hold on to you always. I can't wait until that day where the very one I live for always will wipe away the sorrow that I face. Oh, to touch the scars or rescue me from a life of shame and misery. Oh. This is why I sing There will be a day No more tears No more pain And no more fears There will be a day When the burdens of this place Be no more We'll see Jesus face to face there will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. There will be a day He will wipe away. 
Well, I just love the message and the words of that last song. They're just so timely, right? And our prayer is that something that was said today, something that was sung today would um, bring a sense of hope to you, not just for today, but also for the rest of your week. We just want to thank you so much for joining us in worship here today. And we want to remind you that if you want to give to Hopevale, um, there's three different ways you can do that. You can go online at hopevale.org give and give that way. Um, you can give through our mobile app if you have that. Um, you can also give through text. If you text the word Hopevale to 77977, you can um, give that way. And you can also give through the mail. You can um, send us a gift through the mail or drop it off at our physical location at 5360 Shattuck Road in Saginaw, Michigan, 48603. Well, as we conclude our service here today, um, we want to show a video that is just a, a huge thank you to all of the, the first responders, all the frontline people, all the essential workers that have been out um, on the front lines of this whole thing, battling this COVID-19 virus. And we just want to say thank you to all of you and to all of them that have been doing this on our behalf for not only here, us here in the Great Lakes Bay region, but around the country and around the world. So thank you very much. Check out this video.